Welcome everybody to the Alternative Blacks Podcast. That's a different intro than normal. Normal. I'm usually what? What? Yeah. Yeah. You usually go alternative. Oh, Alternative Blacks Podcast. I am your host Tyler Washington. I'm Chris Kissinger. Who sounds so excited to be here today? <laughs> Going through the motions. Yes, but we're going to continue on with our series that's the word of non-whiteness of beer we're going to do our beer history series and where where are we finding ourselves today chris we are finding ourselves in the uh, cradle of civilization the cradle the cradle uh mesopotamia sumerian uh babylonian uh basically credited with the invention of beer so it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. Magical sounds uh, when beer gets said. Doo-doo. Yeah. <laughs> the soundboards for a man. Uh, if I ever learn the soundboard, you know, what I said I would do back in like January. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so we're going to get into that. I uh, hope you've been listening to our series. We've done China. We've done South America. Uh, we did our little intro to kind of explain what the series is about. But before we get any... Ugh, but before we get into any of that, beer. That's right. Chris, what are you drinking? I am drinking the Gigmeister. The Gigmeister. The Gigmeister from Columbia Kettleworks. I mean, it's it's a crowler, so boom. Just for the for the viewers. For all the viewers. Uh, it is it's a New England IPA, so it's a little on the hazier side here, of course. Uh, let's see if I can get this description. They don't have a description up. They had a small one in the uh, on the draft list. Um, I don't remember exactly, but I know there's. It's a three hop combo, New England IPA, pretty standard, and it's absolutely delicious. Very smooth, uh, nice little hop kick on there. I don't have any of like the jargony buzzwords for beer tasting, so that's what you get. <laughs> solid beer <laughs> that's good i went home for mother's day went back to reading and if i'm driving back from philly you know i'm stopping at hidden river <sighs> yeah you're right <laughs> you could driving home from red or from yeah driving home from reading you could hit hidden river and then like go over to uh tired hands and then go home Hidden River, Sly Fox, Tired Hands. That's true. That's true. Oh, you could do you could do Sly Fox, Hidden River, Sly Fox again. That's true. Right? Oh, speaking of great places to get beer, Mike's Tavern is open for anybody in the Reading area that wants to get some good craft beer. Mike's Tavern is now open. So excitement. That I, you know, that was one of those places where I wasn't sure what like how they were doing it, but you know, because, you know, some places they kind of started selling weird food items just to stay open uh, with the and food requirements in PA. But some some places also just said, you know, screw it, we'll be open back when there's no restrictions like Nitro Bar did. Right. They're still not open. I guess Memorial Day, they're cutting the restrictions. So maybe they'll be back open in a few weeks. We shall see. But so I am drinking Rudiment from Hidden River, which is a double IPA sitting at an 8.3%. Uh, Bar Rouge, Eldorado, Citra Hops, notes of orange zest, blueberry, strawberry, honeydew, freesia, a sprinkle of confectioner sugar, 
dense mouthfeel, grassy resins, and and a high carb to balance. Wow, Tyler, that was a great description. Yeah, you know, I it's everything that I was getting on the like tongue, and then like the back of my throat as I was drinking, and I was go, ah, and I was getting that flavor. <laughs> <laughs> You they don't the teach you that. They don't teach you how to how to drink. You know, it's it's you, you gotta take that sip. You're working for that uh you're working for that uh the beard that beard judge uh certification, aren't you? Right, right. Cicerone. You're really working for that there. <laughs> Very carby. As if a beer isn't carby. You know, you in order to taste the beer very well, you need to feel like you need to taste it like jay-z sounds right before he gets into a verse that he feels which reminds me (laughs) now that all of jay-z's stuff is on spotify that includes acapella black album and did you know there's an acapella version of american gangster i did not that's beautiful on spotify i'll have to include that in the show notes I'm writing that right now. Include acapella Jay-Z in show notes. If you guys are listening and want just pure glory, pure amazingness. It's, it's, it's amazing. Especially yeah. that song, like those songs where he's just like, ah, 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 but there's no beat behind it. So it's just <laughs> nothing. It's just him going. Ah, 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 ah. I would like to listen to Tom Ford or like Picasso, baby. <laughs> like... <laughs> Those are like those are like the two those are like the two big ones where he's just like for a whole minute. <laughs> those would be great. But I'm giving this a solid like four five, four seven, five out the gate. Like this uh rudiment so, hidden river. Pretty, pretty standard hidden river. Four yeah. five, four seven five. Right. I'm probably gonna go uh four to four two five on this guy here from uh Columbia Kettleworks. This I like yeah, their beer. Their their beer is uh their beer is pretty solid. Uh, Mondays, I saw now they're actually doing margarita flights. Oh, you had me at margarita flights. I'm kidding. You had me at Monday. <laughs> <laughs> did, did I? It's just a good day to drink. Every day is a good day to drink. And we've learned that through the show notes as we were uh, doing the research on the beer history in Mesopotamia and just like thinking about beer in general throughout history and the safety of drinking beer. So we'll get into that right after the sample game. I know you guys are paying attention and want to hear so much about Mesopotamia and beer, but you got to indulge us because this is fun for us and we hope you enjoy this too. So do you want to go first? Sure. Uh, I'm going to try to do the fancy uh, audio settings that I did last time. Uh, as I give my sample, but uh, before I do that, we I am doing uh, it's Esther Phillips from 1971. It's called That's All Right With Me. And I'm going to hopefully... Get, hopefully. Hopefully get the audio correct here. Boom, boom, boom. As we wait for this, if you are interested in helping us out with our audio... You could always apply to become our audio engineer. Uh, yeah, just hit us up, email, DM. Our website has the job posting. Uh, if you're interested, hit us up. We need, help. We need peeps. I, I like how you went audio engineer as I'm trying to figure out audio stuff. 
uh, as I'm an engineer. So that that was really clever, <laughs> Tyler. I, I love when you're that clever. I, you know, so, I, I did it on purpose. All right. Let me know if this is running. I'm going to run it now. I feel like I'm going to be mad that I don't get this because it sounds mad. It sounds so familiar. Uh, Run that back again, especially that intro part. You know, my my first guesses are always J. Cole, Lupe, Kanye, Jay-Z, just to like keep it in there. So I, I, it feels like J. Cole or Lupe. Mm. Mm. You're on the right track. Oof. Oof. I don't know which one. I, I can't I can't pinpoint it this time. Do you need a hint? Yeah, give me a hint. Whoa. It's from 2014. Forest Hill Drive. Mayhaps. <laughs> it's definitely Forest Hill Drive. <laughs> <laughs> what song though oh man i'm just realizing how fake of a j cole fan i am because i haven't listened to okay. interlude yet Doesn't i haven't matter. watched the documentary that came out today me neither yeah but that's okay coming from you <laughs> oh it's not fire squad not fire squad i just had to say that because we just had our uh we had our live and we talked about fire squad. That's fair. That's fair. But it's not fire squad, but it is, you're in the right album. At least. I, yeah, I know. 2014. <laughs> <laughs> no role models. That's all I'm going to guess. No, it's not. No role models. It is St. Tropez. Fuck. As we run. Oh, Oh yeah, I can hear it now. Dun, 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 dun. Yep. Did you know? <laughs> If there was maybe a track or two more on that album, it's the perfect time to get you from Philly to Reading or back. If it was just a track or two longer. It would be the perfect length of time to get you to Philly. (laughs) If they just did a track or two at this exact length. Yes, exactly. It would have been perfect. It would have been perfect because I always like finish like five minutes, five to 10 minutes before I get to like my, my apartment or till I get back home. And that includes that long ass outro. Yes. Cause you know, I listen to it. Yes. That that's hilarious. How long does collision course take? 
That's like two or three. Uh, it gets me to the highway. It gets me from my, my mom's place to the highway. I was going to say it gets you from your apartment in Philly to the highway in rush hour. <laughs> right. Yeah. Jeez. That's but a yeah, great album, though. Uh, Saint Tropez uh, for people that they're, because that's one of those songs where like a lot of people don't know the name of it necessarily, but it's a he's Hello. on his way, he's about to get paid, and that was actually uh, that was actually uh, a sample, and I was like, that's gonna the lyrics be easy, yeah. Um, and like the background, like he's singing, but the background vocals to that is Hollywood by Rufus and Shaka Khan from 1977. And that one, I was like, man, that's way too easy. I got to look at like the Shaka Khan samples because there has to be like, those have to be up there. Yeah, def- definitely. Because it's, uh, well, obviously the, the big ones through the fire, through the wire. Kanye. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. All right, here I got you. Uh, this sample that I'm picking from it's uh Paul McCartney in Parkinson. I guess it was a TV show. Parkinson was like a talk show, it looks like oh, season okay. 15. Oh, definitely from the BBC, uh, because it's ITV 1999. But uh, the song's called Two Fingers When the Wind Is Blowing. Tell me if you can hear this. Lil Nas X. I don't know. Uh, run that back. Yeah, I got you. Is it? Is it the guitar? Or is it the guitar and the whistle? whistle? I think it's both. All all that together? It's it's mainly the whistle though, I think. Is it is it that dumbass poop 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 poop? No. What are you saying? I I can't wait to just steal that part and put it on Instagram. Boop boop boop. When the Mondays hits. <laughs> Listen, okay. Uh, whistling. Am I? Am I going to be pissed off? I don't I think so. It? No, it's. I need a hint for sure. All right. Well, uh, it comes off of a Def Jam record in 2015. And Paul McCartney's actually considered featured on this song, so. A Def Jam record from 2015? What the hell? I forgot Def Jam, like, made it that long. Def Jam's still a thing, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I know. I just don't remember Def Jam after, like, 2007. Um, Play it one more time. (laughs) You feeling confident? No. Mm-hmm. 
that guitar for some reason is ringing a bell. It's crazy because what happens in this, in the sample, it's distorted once. And then at the end of the song, it's played almost like purely. I don't think I know. All right. So (laughs) in 2015, off of a, Def Jam record featuring Theophilus London, Alan Kingdom, and Paul McCartney, a Kanye West track, All Day. That's the... All Day Nigga. That's why, because I didn't like that song, so I listened to it once, and that was it. (laughs) (laughs) You listened to it once, and that was it? (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, this is dumb. But it's that, like, that always, like, stood out to me. Like, I hear that, and I'm just like, all day, all day. (laughs) I didn't, I hated that song, so I listened, (laughs) I heard it once, and I'm like, I'm not listening to this ever again. But I thought that was a really good sample, just like when you pick up on those little things and how, like, it's the distortion for me. It's not like a pure, like, let's take this and then, like, throw a bunch, like, speed or slow it down and then add a bunch of stuff on top of it. It's just complete, like, distortion of it. Yeah. Well, you and I think know, that's when Kanye was really experimenting with his voice, too, as as music. Yeah. I mean, if it's Kanye, it's going to be, like, a... For the most part, it's going to be a clever use of an obscure sample. Uh, but I got to like the song <laughs> to right. know the sample, you know, or recognize it. So it's just one of those things. All right. And now that we've, that we've lost like 10 listeners to, to our sample game, I guess it's time we get into the meat and potatoes. Let's meat and potatoes this. So we, we've had some like really interesting um, conversations around the history of beer, especially when it is broken away from like, you know, Europe, Britain, you know, Germany, all of those type of like what we traditionally think of beer and like the beer savants, right? Um, and this, I think today's episode, we're going to go as far back as possible and start with beer itself, right? Right. So today, you know, discussing Mesopotamia um, and really the origin of what most people consider beer. Beer? Uh, yeah, beer. <laughs> Hops were not being used at this point yet, uh, but this was kind of like the groundwork for what would eventually become modern beer um and, and this because this is kind of like the branch you know this is like where this is the trunk essentially and everything kind of branched from there for the most part so uh you know we start in Godin Tepe, uh which is a, an ancient mesopotamian city uh and Me- mesopotamia for those who don't know would be in the middle east iran uh, Iraq, uh, in, in, in the Middle East area there, uh, Syria. Um, 
so that's kind of where we're talking about here that what a lot of people will call the near east in ancient times versus the far east which we discussed last episode far east movement like a g6 oh god i forgot that they, they were really called the far east movement what what did they just like move out of like music after that <laughs> they were moving too fast i guess like a g6 because they moved right out of relevance <laughs> was it like one song and then we're done yeah well better than the teriyaki boys the teriyaki boys that uh that her that horrific catchy song from uh fast and furious the <sighs> one in tokyo yeah holy shit this is this is years active for the far east movement 2003 to present 2003 all right but like they just like they just scratched the surface that one time and then just fell back into whatever they were doing since 2003 i guess apparently all right back to the episode (laughs) transition back to mesopotamia uh, so this would be the first barley based beer, uh, in the fifth millennia BC. Although I've actually, in some of these, uh, articles, they mentioned slightly earlier than that, the late fourth, uh, millennium BC, uh, but fifth millennium to be like, you know, conservative or what have you, but around that same time period, uh, it was mentioned in the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is uh, Babylonian, I believe. Um, and the earliest known beer recipe is actually referenced in a poem uh, written for the Mesopotamian uh, goddess Ninkasi, uh, Sumer- Sumerian goddess. Uh, and we'll link we'll link that whole poem down there in the notes, but it kind of just it's kind of funny reading it how uh and and i and i guess maybe this is just kind of how uh how we talked about last time how drink really was part of the religion and part of the belief system of the people and even the belief system in general being so ingrained in a population you know when you it's talking about you are the one who soaks who soaks malt in a jar the wave the waves rise, the waves fall. You are the one who holds with both hands the great sweet wort. What? <laughs> you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, it's like, this sounds like you need some help. <laughs> Modern times. If you're talking like this, like about beer and brewing, and you're talking about it like this, someone's probably going to have you committed. <laughs> but I just found hey, that, you know I just found that funny. We're we're, we're going to go to this thing. It happens every Monday. It's at this like church. It's okay. Just come with me. Oh, no, no, I know. It's, it's at this. Uh, it's at this random like town hall. Hi, my name's Tyler. Hi, Tyler. <laughs> when do I get one of those cool coins? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I did find that interesting. Like when you go back, like the further you go back, and the. Uh, more beer, uh, not not beer. The more water is more and more dangerous to drink. You know, you, you found people drinking uh, this alcohol, this fermented stuff. You know, this porridge. Right, and I, I a lot of history, especially ancient history. You know, 
context is so different because there are so many things that we don't have to worry about these days. And safe drinking water, for the most part, is one of them. Unless you're in Michigan and the town just completely screws you over and you don't have any safe drinking water. Flint? Yes. And that's, I, I believe that's still an issue. Oh, yeah. That no one's talking about yet. So it, it, it's just one of those things, you know, it's, we take it for granted. And this was a real big issue that they had to deal with. And it's really interesting because like uh, New Trail has that beer that's coming out or it's uh, it's recently came out where they basically were like, if if climate change continues to happen the way that's happening, this is what beer is going to taste like because water is going to be so bad. And um, not to take away from that initiative, because I think it's a great initiative. I don't know why you would actually make a bad tasting beer, but like. They did it. Um, this is because New Trail is that badass. They're just they're like probably making enough money. It was like, all right, if we made a batch of beer that like tastes like shit, how much money would we lose? We we won't. All right, let's do this. Um, and but what's interesting then is to like look at beer and how it's made in this capacity and just be like, okay, not necessarily true. There would still be way to like create alcoholic beverages that are safe to drink without having to cons- like add the water element to it. So that's interesting. Yes, but it's it's also one of those things where you know the your water quality is a huge piece of what your beer mm-hmm. is going to taste like. I mean, it's it's the base of the beer, you know. Which it starts the, with water. Well, and I love the Icelandic like beer, you know, the when they oh, use yeah, that yeah. the ice water and like to to uh create the beer and like how pure and like clean that can be. Those are some of the freshest beers I've ever tasted. Oh, they're, they're good, man. They're good. They're really good. Uh, but I, I think sometimes we kind of take for granted the fact that good water is that important and the fact that it's this readily available. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back in those days, you know, beer was safer to drink and alcoholic alcoholic uh, drinks were safer to drink than water because part of the fermentation process was boiling the water. So you were able to get rid of... That's what it was, yeah. Yeah, you're able to get rid of all of those uh, horrible things that are going to be in water. The water Uh, See, I keep telling people that water is bad. Water's bad and no one wants to come out with the truth unless it's like soaked in like cacao i don't know don't listen to me or maybe hops Ooh, hops there we go (laughs) at any rate uh, it's been a rough week yeah we had a few uh i had a few articles listed here uh I just want to kind of pull, I pulled some uh, quotes from these articles just to read, um, to kind of get the gist of really what it was like to brew beer in ancient Mesopotamia, Samaria uh, being, Samaria was the Sumer, I guess it would be, is the first civilization, like mass civilization. uh, And then it went from there. 
but I'd like to I'd like to start first with uh, the fact that this beer, as we discussed with uh, with the Chinese uh, beers, being this thick uh, this thick drink that was almost that had all of this uh, all this particulate in it that you drank with a straw. And this, you find the same thing here in Mesopotamia. Uh, the beer was thick and porridge-like. Uh, it was consumed with a straw. It was made from barley bread, which was called. I've seen it bipar or bapir. So I've seen sure bapir. Yeah. I'm. I'm not sure if I just screwed up there or if it's if if it could be both either or. But at any rate, it was this really thick porridge-like drink. Um, and one, I wanted to get your thoughts. I know I have the questions at the bottom, but I'm, I want to kind of work this first one in at, at this, what, what would you think of a, an alcoholic drink that was of that consistency? Do you think you would like it? Porridge consistency? Porridge, like really thick. You need to drink. And my, my whole thing with this is like, you're drinking with a straw. So is that like oatmeal-ish? Like what? I, I don't think I've ever consumed porridge. You never consumed porridge. I don't think I've ever consumed porridge. Right. So uh, that, that's where, so I have a weird thing with consistencies. Consistency like is, is a huge thing for me. So I remember I was doing a video in college and I was acting in it and I had to throw up. And the way that we constructed this throw up was I would take like this instant oatmeal packet and I would throw a bunch of the dry oatmeal in my mouth. And then I would like take a couple swigs of water and swish it around in my mouth. And I just like spit it out. And it just <laughs> And so I have a huge issue with consistency now. <laughs> like, I don't think that was there prior. Now it's like, a <laughs> ironically, a gag reflex, right? Wow. And so, um, so you would not be doing this. I would try it. I think we should try it. I think we should like a after the series is over, part of our Patreon content, uh, which you should subscribe to and give us money um, or cash at me. It or cash at it's credible. Specifically, Tyler. <laughs> yeah. Cash at specifically, Tyler. <laughs> um, All above board. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's going places. Um, <laughs> I would try it. I think we should try making some of this beer and just see our reaction, see what the process is like. I think that would be a lot of fun. I would try it because it's alcohol. Um, <laughs> maybe, but it's I like, don't, maybe it's like a rum chata. See, I, I can do that. I like rum chata, you know, I like a Kahlua. I, I, I like, uh, I like a Caucasian every once in a while. What is that called? A, uh, a Caucasian. Yeah, a white Russian. That's what it's called. <laughs> it's a big Lebowski quote. Uh, he calls them Caucasians. Oh, a white Russian Caucasian. Okay, that's actually clever. Right? <laughs> but yeah, I would try it. <laughs> Long and short of it is I would try this. Do you think you would like it though? No. <laughs> so you'd be going into this thinking I'm probably not going to like this. Like I, I find that if you like have low expectations, you're usually satisfied. That's fair. That's fair. I kind of feel like I might not like it, but only because we have so much uh, 
filtration technology these days that we're not used to drinking anything that has a lot of like leftover uh solids in it but like, a lot of people well there are people that like pulp pulped orange juice there are people there there are beers that still have sediment at sediment. the bottom that aren't filtered but, but they some of my like this some of my favorite sours are thick <laughs> they're like smoothies you know um, but they're not like porridge. They're not porridge. That's also the point. But I also enjoy Bloody Marys. True, but I'm even thinking this is going to be even thicker than that. Like I, I don't know that we're, I don't think we're grasping how, how thick. So you're saying this is a healthy beer? It's healthy, as Shaq would say. <laughs> it's healthy beer. You know, thick's not bad. It's never been bad. Never been bad. So, except in this, well, hey, you know what? I'm not going to pass judgment. Can't knock it till you try it. So, uh, there's many theories to how this beer originated. Okay. Uh, so th- there, there are a couple uh, historians that have like competing theories on what happened uh, or, or kind of how this came about. Uh, this first quote here, uh, it's thought that the craft of brewing began in domestic kitchens when grains used for baking bread were left out unattended and began to ferment. Scholars Jeremy Black and Anthony Green, to name only one authority on the subject, write, alcoholic beverages probably resulted from an accidental discovery during the early hunter-gatherer stage of human prehistory. Look, like all good things... This is discovered by accident. Shit, potato chips, the chocolate chip cookie, hamburgers. Is that an accident? I thought the story of hamburgers was there was this chef, and he was trying. He yeah, Chef Bob was trying to grill, grill a meatball or like pan fry a meatball or whatever, and people were complaining how long it was taking. And he got angry and he just smashed the meatball into a patty. I don't know how true that story is or where I heard it. I'm sticking to it. You know what? Okay. Has that happened to you recently? I have found myself like saying things or like being very confident and like, this is a fact. And then going to like get backed up by Google to only find out Google doesn't give a fuck about me. And, I, well, I already knew that. <laughs> wow. But there were so many things that I was confident on that I've read somewhere. And I don't know if Google's just like gotten lazy and won't find that article for me anymore. That or one article. I have just been drunk too long. That's, pr- you know what? That second one's probably more accurate. Like, what kind of things, though? What are the, or what's one thing? One thing was like a voice actor, I, I think. Like I, I had I thought I had seen that so and so had voice acted a certain character and that wasn't true. And uh, then I, I I can't name the other things that I thought were like hard facts and then was completely wrong. And the way that my mind works is once I learned that I was completely wrong, I got rid of that information in my head. So that's why I can't recall it right now. Well that's a big well that's a big issue in general. It's not just you. Um, the Mandela but, effect? Hmm. 
maybe not so much that, but like in this case, you know, the over the overarching idea is this ancient society wasn't str- wasn't smart enough to figure out how to mm. brew and it must have been this big accident oh and it just happened to work out for them you know that's kind of that's kind of where where uh where these first two guys are coming from and one thinking that's true is kind of what we're combating here it, with it this whole smells series. a little bit of elitism and racism yeah but and and egyptology has always had this issue what a bunch of british dudes coming in and ascribing their you know putting their own thoughts onto what they think was happening and they were completely wrong and there were people there that were descendants of ancient egyptians that were like yeah you're wrong but it's like no we're not going to listen to you because you're not white and so that's how you get bullshit like oh the ancient the pyramids were tombs even though you never found one they weren't tombs in a tomb in in a pyramid that's never been a thing that was factual i feel lied to you you were lied to (laughs) Exactly. You're telling me you're telling me the history that I read in textbooks and that was taught to me in schools was wrong. Let me refer you back to the episode on <laughs> on American history in schools. <laughs> my good sir, where states rights seems to reign. Well, aren't they even doing that now where they're like uh certain states you're no longer allowed to talk like to have conversations around race theory yeah yeah and that's kind of the difficulty of it it's like you can't be you can't you can't be you know pushing your it's not even pushing a narrative as much as it is like tightening and narrowing the focus on a topic to the point where you don't really get the full context of it. Right. And that's what we see here where it's, you know, once again, it's like, Oh, these people, they, it must've been an accident. You know, they, they had all this stuff set up and they just happened to stumble into beer around this time because, you know, that's just what we, we first saw, you know, mention of it maybe in this time period and they must have just stumbled into it, stumbled onto it. Right. So uh, we, there, we, we have this, uh, we have this Steven, Stefan, Steven, Steven, Bertman, Bertman, uh, we have Bertie, uh, who, you know, I guess has this quote or, you know, quoted a Sumerian proverb that I, like he who does not know beard does not know good. Uh, I think that was, I don't know. I think that should be the title of the episode. I like that. I, I agree with, I agree with the sentiment. Uh, Stephen Bertman was another historian who had a conflicting idea to the first two gentlemen, black and green. Uh, 
Bertman said, though beer, uh, though bread was basic to the Mesopotamian diet, botanist Jonathan D. Sauer had suggested the making of it may not have been the original incentive for raising barley. Instead, sour? he is scholar. Sour. Oh, sour. Wait, sour. Oh, Jonathan D. Sauer. Don't know why it. that. <laughs> you trust it because it was sour and you like sours? Yeah. It's like my whole fridge right now. Still? I'm waiting for uh, my beer should arrive this week. So I'm like, I'm trying not to, besides the beer that I got at Hidden River, trying to uh, not then, buy more beer. So, ah, ah, gotcha. Well, Mr. Sour suggested uh, the making of it may not have been the original incentive for raising barley. Instead, he argued uh, the real incentive was beer, first discovered when kernels of barley were found sprouting and fermenting in storage. Whether or not sour is right, beer soon became the ancient Mesopotamian's favorite drink. So here's a competing, uh, here's a competing uh, idea, I guess, theory of where it came from. But this kind of suggests that barley was in use for beer long before, or even around the same time as it was in use for bread. Right. That would be the uh, the bread that we were talking about earlier, right? The uh, yes, the par, the par, bapir, bapir, right? Correct. Well, and and so to transition into the next person, like Max Nelson, he, I think, as we have these competing ideas, I think this idea is really interesting or like worthy of note. Yes, Max Nelson, uh, fruits often uh, naturally ferment through the actions of wild yeast and the resultant alcoholic mixtures are often sought out and enjoyed by animals. Uh, Pre-agricultural humans in various areas from the Neolithic period on surely similarly sought out such fermenting fruits and probably even collected wild fruits in the hopes that they would have an interesting physical effect, i.e. intoxication, if left in the open air. Oh, that great intoxication. Right. So this is very interesting. And the reason I pulled this is just because it it's like, oh, okay, so there there are wild animals even that are looking for a high or a fix or an altered state, if you will. And they're smart enough to kind of look for certain things that might be that, you know what I mean? They're kind of identifying these things. So it's pretty interesting. And it also suggests that, you know, this fermentation process can be naturally occurring. And therefore there's uh, reason to believe that someone could stumble upon this without making some type of error or you know it's just something that's naturally occurring and you learn why is this happening and you observe that and then you start to manipulate that to your advantage oh speaking of that like i I don't know if this falls necessarily in line with our show notes but discovering that uh observing it and then tweaking it essentially or crafting it right uh 
the what was it babylon uh babylon right like had 70 different varieties yes of beer 70 which is like when you talk about craft beer <laughs> yeah I again and this is why I thought this was such a interesting like series to have or like a, a a rabbit hole to like actually dive down was because you know the narrative is you know oh black people just aren't interested in beer you know it, it's just this white thing and uh this European more, thing right the more you do your research and the more you learn about it like yeah it might have been a porridgey like thing in the beginning but like again let's talk about the beginning of all of this let's talk about it wasn't just oh we've discovered how to make a beer one single style of beer and that's all we're going to do it's 70 varieties right it's like heinz more than better than heinz <laughs> by 13 <laughs> You all right over there? I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> Neither was Hines. <laughs> oh man! All right, yeah. You, you. <laughs> so moving, moving on. Uh, <laughs> and we're walking <laughs> once again, as as per usual. We find that women were the first brewers, and it began usually as home brewing, at, per se, until. An industry popped up for it and men took over. Um, while the women still were brewing, the men took over the industry and the industrialization of it per se, uh, which is not surprising. But once again, we have the main crafters of it being women. In fact, as we mentioned earlier, the deity attached to brewing beer was a goddess ninkasi uh, so that that's very interesting uh, it was popular not only because of its taste and effect quote-unquote getting you drunk um, it was also safer and healthier to drink as we've mentioned before because the fermentation process requires boiling of the water uh, which is going to kill a lot of that bacteria that's in there uh, which was a big issue back in the day because a lot of these cities their septic systems push the water outside of the city however their water sources were outside of the city so they're pushing all of this human waste and garbage into their water su water supply making it unsafe to drink and so beer was a way to drink safely uh which which is why you hear a lot that oh the beer the beer was safer to drink than water this these are some of the reasons why because people didn't know how to keep the water clean right and not just back then i mean that that's even true up until probably you know the 17 1800s in certain places Okay, so just like side note, I, I thought this was pretty cool because, you know, I'm ADHD, so this is how my mind works. Um, 
we were talking about uh, Ninkasi, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was doing a little more research. You know, I'm always late to the research gang. Uh, but Dark Horse Comics, right? So they've done some Justice League, Superman. I think Dark Horse is actually the people behind Stranger Things, right? Well, Jack Horseman, probably not. <laughs> nice. But I think they have a uh, Ninkasi-like character, which is really interesting oh, yeah? to me. Yeah, Dark Horse and Ninkasi. Oh, and that actually looks like it's a part of, there's a Ninkasi Brewing Company. Where is this at? Yeah, exactly. That's what <laughs> Eugene, Oregon. Oof. Oof. Big oofs. Oh, let's let's. Oh this. God. Oh. <clears throat> I was hoping. Who? Who are these creators? Who are the owners? Anyway, we'll talk about this later. Yeah, so you uh, know they get, they have like ten foot beards. Yeah. But I, it was just it was an interesting rabbit hole to go down. Um, Minkasi, like that that whole, uh, I don't know. I, I think you bring this up later with like some of your questions with like the gods and everything like that. But it's yeah, uh, and in in fact, we're gonna get into this right now. The fact that once again we see, uh, in the very beginning, beer being essential to people's hell beliefs, in you know in a society. Uh, and I have this quote here from the article, the gods were thought to have uh, given beer to humanity. So beer was offered back to them in sacrifice at the temples throughout Mesopotamia. As noted, it was also used to pay wages and was consumed readily at religious festivals, celebrations, and funeral ceremonies. Beer was associated with good times as a drink, which made one's heart feel light and allowed one to forget one's problems. So that seems to be something that's the last part, something that's carried on till today. Um, that's why I drink. What? Um, but I, I feel like that last part was almost kind of uh, on the nose. Like, I don't see, I haven't seen a lot of uh, reference to ancient texts saying exactly that. You know what I mean? It's it, it, a lot of other texts have like the beginning portion where it's you know it it's used to pay wages or used in religious circumstances or celebrations or funerals even but to come out and say specifically you know it's here to make one's heart feel light and allow one to forget problems hey the pay wages part like speaks to me in volumes because it's like hey you know i'm moving it again and I need you to come help me move. I'll provide beer. Who said that? You, Hassler, everybody. Oh yeah, you did the uh, you did the wedding for a gigantic bottle of Bombay. We don't talk about that. Oh yeah, you're still on the hook for that, I guess, huh? Moving on. Don't hire me to do weddings. Like, I think it wasn't even a hot. It wasn't even a hire. But I mean, just in general, like they—they were just like, "Hey, do this wedding basically for free, or for thirty bucks, whatever that bottle of, you know, whatever that bottle costs, thirty, forty bucks at the most." 
So Any, anyway, we're walking. All right. On to the next part. <laughs> Uh, Sumerians developed the brewing process, however, Babylonians were the first to actually regulate how it was brewed, served, and sold. And this comes to Hammurabi's code, which I feel is a whole big conversation in itself. Yeah, it's kind <laughs> of crazy. For Well, okay, so for one, only women were allowed to be bartenders and serve the alcohol which is a great rule so (laughs) like like only women were allowed to do this however if they if they didn't pour you enough in your glass legally they were allowed to be you were allowed to have them drowned death by drowning for any woman Tending bar who pours a short measure of beer for a customer. That yeah, yes, a bit excessive. A wee just bit, a, just a tiny bit, just a smidgen. So it's almost it's almost like there's there's this great there's this great like responsibility or meaning behind being able to create this drink and you know, give it to the people. But if you don't do it correctly, you're getting drowned. Look, I try to tell people beer is important. And uh, when your life's on the line, there's nothing more important than that. If I were one of the, if I were one of these women tending bar, I would just fill it till it just started running over. Is this enough? Yeah, is this enough? Yeah. yeah, I'm yeah, gonna lean, drown your hand before you drown me. Yeah, lean your head back. <laughs> and that's how keg stands were made. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh shit! Could you imagine? So this turned into drunk history. All right. Yeah. Um. Right. <laughs> uh, but the big, the the biggest, most important, not maybe not most important, but most interesting part for me from this article was this last point here where it mentions that Egypt was introduced to beer and brewing from the Mesopotamians in the trade. So there you have like a direct line of here is the beer being brewed and here it's being traded into Egypt. And now the Egyptians begin brewing their own stuff. And that explains the religious element to it. That explains the like women uh, brewer element to it as well. Cause for the longest time, you know, I, I would have to admit on myself. And I think, again, it, it's about how the history of beer is uh, portrayed and told in like popular culture is I thought actually Egypt was the oldest you know, like I thought that's, this is where beers, beers from. So I, I think it's really interesting though, to see and like to read about Mesopotamia and to then like see its impact into like with trading and how it's introduced to Egypt and then how that, that gets discovered. So I guess what was it, that article that said like they discovered that huge brew, like almost brewery in Egypt. Yeah, it was, was a, it was a mass a mass production brewery and they had those same mass production breweries in Sumeria 
yeah. in Babylon. So, so fuck you, Sam Adams. Hey, it's always a good decision, man. No, I, I again, I just wanted to reiterate that, like, the reason I think this series of episodes is so important is to kind of challenge that belief of what's being told or what's being like said. Um, I think even looking through this and you're saying like Anchor Brewing Company did something that was very similar to what was being brewed in Mesopotamia and Samaria and everything like that in the eighties and like that first like round of craft beer. Uh, and then you, you see people using like sorghum and wait, how do you say it? Sorghum. Sorghum. Right. Sorghum you, you, and millet. Yeah. You, you see people using these like elements and you know, there, there will be an article about, that brewery like but they're they're small things they don't become in my opinion from like how i have seen beer being discussed it's not spoken as like mesopotamia china you know south america like look at all these roots it's always about britain it's always about germany you know like it's always about oh purity laws sure mesopotamia was the beginning but But all of a sudden all of a sudden it it cropped up in belgium you know beer wasn't beer until the monks started doing it yeah and now now that's where we're going from but it's like how do you get to that point and we've seen you know with our south american episode it would have never got there if not for the brewing that was happening in the southern tip of South America and the yeast that came over because of that uh, to make that cold resistant yeast for lagering. So, you know, getting back to your roots is something that's very important, I think, especially when we're talking about, as we've said in the introduction episode, you know, the reason we're looking through this is everyone is so fixated on that European style, those European styles. Um, but everyone's doing, everyone's doing it. So where do you find your variety at some point? You know, I, I, I kind of feel the fatigue. I kind of felt it today, you know, going in and it's like, oh, okay, there's like five IPAs on the list and they're all half of them are New England IPAs. You know, and they might have a, a lager and they might have a stout, but it's like, how about, how about a beer that's kind of based on ancient grains, sorghum and millet? Yeah, what, what no do you hops have? at all. No hops at all. It's still beer just because it doesn't have hops. Hops were, hops were just thrown in for flavor of all things originally. And that's before they started, you know, engineering them for taste seriously imagine if everything just had like what was it a cascade hops everything just had cascade hops in it all right we got a bunch of cascade hops what should we do just dump it how much i don't know just dump it yeah just dump all of it in there it's for the taste right uh also it it tastes grainy (laughs) it's just really interesting because I, i do find myself being as you said, fatigue, you know, I might look for certain things from an IPA, you know, I'm, I'm looking for my mosaic hops. I'm looking for Simcoe. 
I'm not tired. Uh, Simcoe, you know, I, sure. there, there are certain hops I'm looking for. And the more that we understand, you know, IPAs and we do our research, uh, and the more we understand what flavor profiles might complement or, you know, balance some of those those hop elements but that's not an everyday consumer type of thing like when, when you're seeing all these different hops you're not understanding the flavors that are going into it complement or balance in one way or the other and i think that's where the variety gets interesting where uh it's needed almost because you go to a point where somebody who comes in who's tagging along and their only view of an IPA is, oh, this bitter ass, you know, beer, you know, I don't want anything to do with that. What goes into that hops? Well, everything you have on this list has hops. I don't want that. And then having like something that's so unique and different. Uh, some people love sours and then like, I think it's that, that talking point as well. And some people view sours as one extreme of the sour, which would have that really acidic, like almost like vomity, like yeah flavor to it. But on the other end of sours, it's a completely different thing. And for somebody who doesn't understand that they're now walking in, they see IPA bitter, sour vomit. I want something else. And right. it's not always there. Yeah, exactly. I think they're, I think sours gain popularity from the same issue of what we're thinking about now, where it's like, so you have everything is hop centric and everything is bitter hops. Then you have toasty dark beers. Okay. If you don't like that and you don't like hops, okay, well now here's the, here's the sours. It's like the third piece of it, but, but there's more to it. I think lagers don't get their just due as much. And, and, and that's you all could take, yeah, you could take these, you could take these old ingredients, these ancient ingredients and turn them into a really good craft lager craft beer that, is more accessible to people that aren't into all of these different things. And that's like the circular nature of the beer like industry for me. And I think that's, what's very interesting is like you had loggers being this very popular thing and you had Pilsners be, be this very popular thing. I think Pilsners hit a recent rise and like popularity again. Um, and I learned to actually highly enjoy Pilsners uh, as of They're late. Great. Yeah, but I think that's one of those things too. Like you had like Yingling dominating the lager game. You had Boston Lager from Sam Adams. Like you had these very few uh, breweries that were doing lagers. And I think because they were so mass produced, you've seen craft breweries like completely want to wash their hands of even touching a lager. And that's where you saw these the rise yeah. of IPAs, where you saw the sours, the pastry stouts. And again, unless you're like Rhythm Brewing Company up in Connecticut or something like that, who just solely focuses on lagers, which again, what happens when you let black people have a stake in the game, they identified the needs. Absolutely. But uh, and, and it's a very American problem too, I think, you know. I think we we as Americans have become very enamored with hops and IPAs and 
ales in general. Um, I don't know if I don't know if that's necessarily the case in, you know, we we're, we're looking at origins, but even if we go present day and in, in different pl- in different countries around the world, what is their most popular beer really? A lot of times it is going to be a lager. I think it's just more accessible, and the craft scene can say, you know, we don't want to be the accessible. We want to give the alternative to that. Alternative blacks. You know? Yeah. I think as a business model, it's kind of dumb to not try to at least like appeal to this whole set of people who might want to try something new, but maybe this triple hot, triple dry hopped, triple IPA isn't necessarily something they would want to get into right away. It's the elitist element. It's the privilege element of uh, craft brewing industry. It's, it's not recognizing that, you know, people are, you know, creatures of habit. So those Coronas, those Heinekens, the PBRs, you know, like these light bit, even the Millers and the cores, like they do have a place in the beer industry they do and to one when we talk about gentrification all the time when we talk about these brewing companies that pop up into these areas and never reach out to the community and never really like okay bad example but like corona you know not not rona but corona oh shit it's still bad oh fuck um but like not to like to not go into an area and like, okay, everybody here likes Coronas. Like, let's make a Philly Rona, right? Like, 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 let's talk to this community again. It was a fucking your, horrible example. You, you should have just, you should have just said Heineken, I don't know, man. Heineken, yeah. Finnegan, Philikin, a Phil, a Philikin, a Philly can, a high, a Delphia. Heinedelphia. There it is. But yeah, exactly. To to make this like dramatic like style beer that has a lot of like locally sourced ingredients, but can like really speak to the community is affordable and you can get out to people. Yeah. Maybe it's not the beer that you're proudest of, but it's at least like, here's my brand here. It is in your face. You're going to do it because it's close to home. By the way, we have 69 other varieties of beer. I see what you did there. Double right. Seventy varieties. Exactly. Now you can start trying these other things. It's local. We're going to do something for your community, blah, 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 X, Y, Z. But um, yeah, I, I think there's, it, it's just so interesting to me how often like breweries can just fall short of yeah. something that see, is seemingly so simple as, you know. As trying something slightly different i mean it's it's crazy because it's literally what the whole industry is based off of is being different from the mainstream and it's almost become the mainstream to a point where it's like okay it's got to come back around at some point and you know you can have more than just a one-off lager on your menu that you you know well let's do a lager because we're going crazy why don't you have two or three on there that are really good with two or three ales and then two or three stouts and that's your you know that's your lineup so getting into this next quote uh from the second article that i was reading up on here uh, 
The earliest solid evidence of beer in Mesopotamia dates back to the later part of the fourth millennia BCE, uh, called the Oruk period. Uh, so this is what I was alluding to before with, you know, five, the fifth millennium B, uh, BC as being kind of like the unofficial date of when beer was first invented. This, uh, this article is saying it was slightly earlier in the late fourth millennium BC. So maybe a few hundred year uh, range in there. Uh, next piece, uh, given the scale and sophistication of brewing activity during the or period, we can expect that future work will push beer's uh, backstory thousands of years further into the past. Damn. This was this one was very interesting to me. Basically, they were saying by the time people were actually writing down beer as existing, the process for creating it was already so advanced that you've got to figure it was already being brewed for thousands of years beforehand and that that one was just mind-boggling to me because and i thought about last week or or the other or last episode when we were yeah. talking about uh china and how china was dated back to slightly earlier than mesopotamia but was it if this is true but also if this is true maybe china's history goes back even for thousands it. of years before and maybe all of these ancient civilizations that's like kind of like a general idea you know is it is it that when we see things are we not giving people enough credit for the advancements that they made was often is the case uh i i think it comes down to a lot about uh cataloging like for lack of better terms like i think we're in an age that every single thing that is done is recorded documented uploaded right. like if you know if I recorded this beat and this song and then like three years later, someone comes out with something that's even remotely similar to this concept, it's just like, well, I did this. You're just like taking it from me. And I don't think that was necessarily obviously the case. I mean, we, we went through a period of history where people just weren't literate, like who weren't able to read, who weren't able to write, who weren't able to document the daily things that they were doing which didn't mean necessarily that they were any less educated or any less intelligent than the people that had the resources and the people that were kind of allowing them to learn those like processes right uh and i think that's the interesting part of when we look back in history and i think that's oftentimes you know when you have people from areas that are less diverse, you know, you, you see it still happening to this day where 
there is this, like, this is where I'm from. This is what I've been taught. This is how I've learned things and see things. And then yeah. I get out into the real world and there's all this other information and it doesn't make sense. And, and uh, I don't know how to process this. And I am just going to assume because you're not from where I'm from and everything like that. I didn't have the resources that you don't understand anything or don't know better when more likely than not, it's the opposite. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's what we're looking at with when uh, we're discussing beer history, when we're talking about Mesopotamia, when we're talking about China and we're talking about like, okay, here are the first recorded events. And then even to bring it back to the pyramids, it's like, okay, here's the first, like, uh, here's a pot, here's residue of beer. Uh, It's only identified here right now at this moment. So it had to be only this moment. Right. Or maybe a hundred years in the past or 200 years. But not thousands. Yeah, not thousands. And I think part of that is we can't really, we don't really uh, have good context for exactly how slow things progressed to a certain point. Like even up until like the 70s and 80s with the boom in Silicon Valley happening with technology that you know technology is always it's not a linear rise it's always going to rise exponentially like the the difference between 20 you know the difference between 1980 1990 and 1990 to 2000 2000 to 2010 is so different it keeps going higher and higher and i don't think we really grasp how slow that rise may have been to where people were really you know having this knowledge for such a long time and it's just it was very much the same for quite a long while but giving people the credit to have come up with this or have been doing this for much longer than we are which i think is speaking to that point but that's kind of why i included that because it's just like oh well you know five you know, the fifth millennium BC was the beginning. Maybe not. It could have been the third millennium. Right. There's a lot of time in between. Uh, But to the point of mass production in Egypt that we were discussing earlier, uh, uh, archaeologists archaeologists have uncovered uh, a few physical traces of large-scale institutional breweries in Mesopotamia. Uh, The best candidate is a building uh, excavated at the site of Tel Al-Hiba, ancient Lagash, which I'm not even very familiar with Lagash, but it's in southern Iraq, and it's dating to the early early dynastic third period between 2600 and 2350 B.C., so back then we have proof or kind of evidence for um, mass production brewery in Mesopotamia, even back then. So I found that pretty interesting just because of, like you said, we have the Egyptian brewery and I don't remember the date range on that one. Uh I don't know if you if you have that up, but I just thought it was once again interesting and kind of saying here is 
kind of where that originated from and it didn't just start here and end here like how did it traverse through time well okay we traded with egypt and now egypt has this and now they're doing it and it's just another branch on this huge tree instead of just oh it kind of disappeared and showed up again in europe so uh, the beer or the um, the alcoholic beer drink itself, uh, you had something? Yeah, sorry. I, I know I got a little distracted right now. And, and I think where my mind went is um, so looking in like Mesopotamia and talking about beer and beer history. Uh, I, we, we have a friend from elementary and middle school, high school throughout, um, who ended up like getting into linguistics and stuff like that and, and like learned Farsi and everything like that. So I'm talking and is in a lot of chat rooms with people from Iran and everything like that. Right. And uh, it just started getting me on the train of thought of, you know, having those conversations with those people like Iranians that are trying to learn English better and like stuff like that. And actually potentially having a sit down with them over zoom or something to have conversations about beer and how they perceive beer and that, that conversation. But it also led me to Baltimore's one of Baltimore's brewing companies. Um, that's not like white owned or maybe it's partly white owned, but I think might be Iranian. I'm not sure. Um, it's suspended, it's suspended brewing company, which is actually one of my favorite brewing companies down in Baltimore. Uh, and I was trying to find the research and trying to figure out who the owners were and what, what they actually are. Um, and I, I couldn't do that in the, like those brief seconds, but that's where, where my mind wandered to, because I, I think that's a, uh, from this conversation, I do want to know more and I want to know more from the horse's mouth for lack of a better term, you know, better phrase. Yeah. I, I think that'd be fun. Uh, I think that's something that we should look into. If anybody's listening to this episode and happen to know somebody that would be really good to talk to about like, like Middle Eastern beer or like anybody that might have a deep, like, yeah. Uh, knowledge or who has done a lot of research into it. Uh, I would, I would love to have that conversation with somebody from there you know what i mean we can do this research but again we're talking about egypt and we're talking about british people coming into like egypt and saying the pyramids are like tombs right and everyone's like no but like go off um i i think that that's also true for us we're having all these conversations i would love to be able to talk to somebody from south america from China, you know, as they, as people cash at me so that we can go and like travel and do these conversations in person, I, I think it's only going to get better. Absolutely. So cash app, Tyler, cash uh, app. If there's one thing that you've learned today, cash app, cash up, Tyler. Uh, but at any rate, and, and that's very true though. Uh, being able to go to these places or speak to someone from these places that has, has grown up with the culture and would have far more context as to the history of that area than we would. Uh, that'd be very interesting, uh, a very interesting conversation. Uh, so 
jumping back in just there's a couple more points to the end of this this article to wrap this up uh the beer was called or or the beer like drink was called kas in sumerian or sikaru in akkadian uh the earliest documents uh about 3000 bc uh indicate nine different types that are mentioned uh but it's difficult to translate and i guess that's also kind of an issue as well when you're looking at things this old where you don't have a one-to-one translation of things and certain dialects or languages are so old that you can't transcribe them so there's possible there possibly might be texts or artifacts out there that describe how just how old beer is but maybe you can't there's just no proof we can't translate them into english or whatever language these the researchers looking into uh so that's also a challenge as well um in dating all of these things but uh back to this back to this piece uh during the early dynastic period which would be 2500 bc uh at least five types of beer were recognized and that would be a golden dark sweet dark red and strained and by the third period in 2100 bc uh beer was being categorized primarily in terms of its quality or strength aka ordinary good and very good or in another way of thinking of it ordinary strong very strong i like that very strong um sorry something you said like set off a train of thought for me oh it's the uh looking at ninkasi you know like the uh what was it, the goddess right yes and so you know you i it's again finding all these pieces of information very interesting because you have obviously Kaz and Samaria and then Sakaru and Akkadian. So it's that mixture, the, the Kaz and the, and the sea, uh, I wouldn't be, maybe you have a, a good, good reference point for where the Nin would come, come from. But like, that, that's interesting to see that mesh of like words together to, to come up with Ninkasi. Um, yeah, I I would assume Kas would be a would would probably be a direct um, would would come from Ninkasi. Mm-hmm. The word the word right Kass right okay that makes would yeah. be my thought on it. I don't know enough about Sumerian mythology to know. Um, I, I love this. It, it's just, it's, it's fascinating. It's absolutely like such an engaging element of uh, history to me. And I think this is where I get, where I got frustrated and where the idea of the series came from was like reading, like untapped the cultural, like history or whatever that book I got off of Amazon was I was hearing so much about Britain, so much about, you know, uh, Europe, uh, yeah, Germany, you know, yeah. all this other stuff. And then like, there's these traces of history for beer, or other places and like such an interesting, you know, 
element to it you know it was like latin like latin's dead but it's so fucking fascinating you know it's dead but it's not dead you right know? no one speaks the language but you know there's literally four languages that it's based on that are still being spoken today right and, and, and that's the element to it for me is like okay i can see the argument that what mesopotamia was brewing what china was brewing what these other places are brewing through us and drinking through a straw don't necessarily translate one-to-one to how we consume these beverages now however it's so fucking like i i can't believe we're even entertaining the thought that they don't go hand in hand yeah there, yeah absolutely there's definitely the communal piece to it in fact one of these articles even mentioned you know the fact that there was literally like almost like a fountain, a public fountain filled with this beer. And you would just go with your own straw. Everyone have a straw and you're just in there drinking it like as a public, almost like as a public drink. A beer and, fountain? Yeah. A real beer fountain. Tyler, just for you. I just wet myself. I muted myself so you couldn't hear what I said. Ah, no, I heard it. Oh, I wasn't quick enough on the draw, I guess. You weren't You weren't quick on the draw. Wait, but, can you uh, still but, hear me? Oh, yeah. Wait, yeah, you can still hear me? Absolutely. Oh, so I've been thinking I've been muting myself this whole time. Oh, this is awkward. Well, at the beginning, I did see you were muting yourself, but I don't know what you're doing now because it's Does not this what you were doing me? in the beginning. Can you still hear me? Oh, I can hear you. Oh, shit. Oh, God. Oh. I'm going to have to do some heavy editing to this show. <laughs> no, actually you, you're, you're pretty good for most of the show. But, uh. um, yeah. So let's wrap this up. I, I think we had a really good conversation here. I, I think there's a lot that um, we covered. I, I, I think so much, yeah, so much. There, there's so much more that can be said. Um, I'm going to leave some show notes or links. You know, we, we talked about the uh, epic of Gilgamesh. Uh, we talked about Hammurabi's code. Uh, I want to leave some of these pieces of information uh, for people to explore more for themselves. We have different periods of time that were referenced that uh, if people need to dive into a little more, I want to provide that like those links. So if you're listening to this and you want to learn more, there's some rich history here. And uh, I'm going to leave all of that in the show notes. Good on you, Tyler. Good on you. Thank you. Uh, quick, quickly wrapping up the articles. Uh, the last piece was there have been some efforts to brew these ancient, uh, these ancient beverages. And the most, uh, I guess, I guess the most uh, known one or the most, famous one i don't know what you would want to call it uh, in 1980 the university of chicago's oriental institute uh, collaborated with anchor brewing in a beer they named ninkasi after the drink from the poem of ninkasi uh which is where they got the recipe from um but they used the modern day equipment to brew the brew the beer so um, 
there have been a few efforts to actually brew this beer in a traditional fashion in the jars and leaving it, you know, whatever, however it was, how, however they could uh, figure the actual process went. Uh, there have been some efforts later than 1980 to actually give that a try, but uh, that's something that, Tyler mentioned at the beginning that we potentially would be open to trying is making our own version of costs. Yeah. I think this would be a lot of fun. I think this would be Patreon exclusive content. Uh, and we'll definitely let people know if this ever does happen. And if we do it, you know, kind of hype it up. But uh, I, I think this would be a lot of fun. You know, we often talk about, a long-term goal potentially being opening up a brewing company. And I think that's something that is, uh, to be very fair, I think it's something that's needed more, you know, diversity in craft beer um, that wants to do a little more extensive research into why they're creating the craft that they're creating. And it, it's always about purpose. You know, it's not just like, oh, I like beer, let's make beer. It's like, why is this important? I think uh, companies that do that tend to to have a really good uh, foundation behind them and a mission and a driving force. And I think that would be really interesting before we even get into traditional brewing, having a understanding of traditional brewing. Fair point. Fair point. So uh, kind of to get into a closing discussion here, uh, I had a few questions uh, to ask of you and I. Uh, the first one kind of leads into the second one, so I I think I'll just ask them together. And it was basically, what piece of information stood out to you mostly throughout this whole discussion? And uh, what does the context of all of this uh, kind of create in world history? Like, what what context is kind of created for our beer uh, our beer scene here in America now that you know this information or even kind of, you know, the progression of beer through the ages. I, I think it comes back down to the Babylonian 70 varieties of beer and the general Babylonians. Yeah. And uh, the, the generality uh, in America, at least that, you know, black people just don't like craft beer. Uh, I, I think that just is counterintuitive. I, I think there's there's a lot of history that disproves that theory. Um, and I think it is, again, you know, a lot of people want to be want to say like white, like racism doesn't exist anymore. White supremacy doesn't exist within the uh, confounds of the American system. But, you know, when you talk about the whitewashing of history where, where there's a lot of facts that are misconstrued or not presented properly, I think beer history is again one of those facts and one of those things and i think this episode in this series in particular really stands out to me and really shows where you know there's there's a big disconnect and you know there, there's a lot of reasons why and there's a lot of other social issues that go uh, higher on the list of importance be before you know black people being involved in craft beer you know, it, there's a lot of other things that need to be uh, taken care of first. However, uh, I I still hold 
very close to my heart that, you know, when we talk about beer, uh, a lot of what we're discussing is a lot of the issues that exist in the uh, American system. And uh, it's an easier way to show the, the gaps of opportunity, the, uh, the leaps and bounds and with the like canyons of inequity exist in, in America. And I think that's the, uh, always going to be the big talking point. It's easy to talk about tennis. It's easy to talk about rap. It's easy to talk about baseball. It's all, it's easy to talk about different elements first and, and show the disparities there and then go to say, now look at our country. This is exactly the same thing. And so I think for us, you know, we'll talk about it in beer to, right. to show this as an example. Right. Uh, wow. That, that was perfectly, uh, per- perfectly elocuted, eloquated, <laughs> however you, however you want to say it. Uh, I completely agree with that. Um, my piece of information that stood out for me mostly was the fact that beer was introduced to Egyptians through trade with the Mesopotamians. That kind of shows the very early history of beer in Egypt, uh, which I think would be our next stop on. I think that'd be great. On the trail of non-whiteness and beer, uh, kind of getting into Africa finally, uh, into the northern half maybe, and we can hit the southern half in another episode. There's just so much in Africa. Uh, it's crazy because Africa is not a country. It's not. It's not a country somehow, hey, as, it, as most people think it is, but it's actually, in fact, not a country. Yeah. Uh, so that was the of, biggest piece of info. Uh, yeah, go ahead. No, like, hey, let, you wanted another thing. No, I wanted to uh, transfer over or like segue into this. Like we were talking about Africa and everything like that. But uh, you had this note about like uh, mythological origins. And th- I know this is something that you always had a little bit more of uh, not more interest in, but just like more knowledge on. And just I kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on like Greek mythology mythology mythological origins words yes uh which i wanted to jump into here because uh in in terms of context uh so when we think about when we think about beer coming from mesopotamia and kind of pushing over to these different areas uh it kind of gets lost where the origins come from. And I kind of likened it to uh, Greek mythology in the sense that a very, the very, uh, a very big example is Aphrodite. Uh, Her origins are that she was, she was born from this white foam in the sea, which came from the genitals of Uranus after he was castrated by his son, Cronus, and he threw threw uh, Uranus' genitals into the sea, created this white foam, and Aphrodite was born from this on the island of Crete, Crete being uh, closer to the Middle East, and there's much speculation into the fact that that origin story kind of is 
referencing the fact that her whole persona and role in Greek mythology comes from the Near East, which would be Syria, modern day Syria, uh, or Mes ancient Mesopotamia in that area. Uh, so we, we see once again, things can be pulled from different locations, but there's always this origin to it. Uh, and that's kind of, that's kind of what thought I had when we thought, when we think of context, like, okay, we do have this, this thing in Mesopotamia that isn't necessarily beer as we know it today, but beer as we know it today came from there somehow. Right. And it wasn't just this thing like they're like, they have credit in the process as much as the next thing that added to the process to get us to craft beer in America. And back to your point with, uh, you know, kind of the the idea of people back then being as smart or not as smart as us in the sense that they weren't necessarily, they weren't dumber than us. They just had less to work with than we do because we have what they did as a base to step up on. We're, we're starting up the ladder, way up the ladder on them. And you know what? I was watching, uh, I was watching McEnroe versus Bjorg or whatever, right? I was watching this match recently, actually today, and just even thinking about like watching them play with like these wooden rackets. And like I always talk about, if you want to watch anybody in tennis move well, watch McEnroe. And I don't know why there's been that disconnect with me that he played with a wooden racket, but it makes more sense now. And it, it it's very true because even to to today when he plays with like some of the superstars as he's training with them he moves in the same way as these wooden racket players used to move and it's just this uh expectation this knowledge of what's going to happen uh, ahead of time and I, I think this is very um interesting just across the board when you when you talk about people who have this knowledge that's just so far ahead of where we're at. So they weren't working with what we have today, but it, it doesn't make it any less valuable and it doesn't make it any less important. And I think that that's very interesting because when we look at like the European system, when we look at the American system and we're so gun ho about tradition and yet anytime it's tradition outside of those two entities, you know, outside of those two cultures, it, it becomes, well, savage. It becomes, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's not it, barbaric. It's not developed enough, but it's just like, oh, no, you know, a lot of these things like shit, democracy as we know it, like we would like to say French, but like shit let's look at like pirates let's look at pirates and what pirates were doing in terms of diplomacy and it's actually more what we operate out of than fucking europe was operating out of so right absolutely um you could think of the craft beer world as being the pirates of beer that's actually an amazing way to to think about it yeah i mean without the the fact that like you know Violent. Violent and, you know, they 
one was like actively not liking black people the other one was kind of like we don't care right yeah there's a lot to talk about there oh we were supposed to do like a pirate episode we we're supposed to do like a cowboy episode uh we'll, we'll eventually get we'll there getting, we'll be getting into those yeah. don't worry yeah but i i think this is a great jumping off point for for the next episode where we start talking about northern africa and talking about these different areas especially egypt as it comes to craft beer so thank you again one for basically running this conversation chris uh you're you're uh do some amazing research anadora does really good inf- um, research and information as well um if you would like to become part of the team reach out to us uh there are many ways that you can become part of the team because we're always looking to expand and uh become better at, at what we do and again there's nobody that i would rather be doing this with than than you chris so thank you again And until next time. Peace.